0: God does not come and hover over your life you will never amount to anything in the heavenly realm you may become a multimillionaire in this earth you may achieve many wonderful things you may have an astonishingly good lifestyle but all of that is temporary it does not count for eternity. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We're not a traditional church. We're not a, a worldly church. We're a vibrant body of the Lord Jesus. He is the head. And our only concern is about walking in the presence of God. That's what we want to do. We want to walk day by day, never leaving the presence of God. Now, if if that is of concern to you, if you also want to walk, not in the fire and the light that you create, but you want to walk In what Jesus creates, if you're willing to make with me the vow that I have now lived by for well over 20 years, that I would only receive from the hand of God what he gave me. I would only receive the resources God gives me. I would only drive the car that God gives me. I would only have friends that God would give me. I would only have work that God would give me. If it doesn't come from the hand of God, I'm not interested. I desire above all things to dwell in the presence of the Almighty. I want Jesus. I don't care about giving erudite sermons. I don't care about building a great church. I only care about dwelling in the presence of Jesus and then finding it so sweet, so incredibly healing to my soul. I want you to come and walk with me as well. I want you to walk in the presence of Jesus. Now we've been talking all week about Genesis, the first chapter in the beginning, God. He is the beginning. God came to this earth and he found it dark, formless, without void. he found it he found it in utter confusion. He found it in darkness. And he brought his presence. And with his presence, the Holy Spirit began to hover over the waters of the deep. And as he hovered over the waters of the deep, he began to bring forth a new creation. He comes to your life. And he begins to hover over your life. Because he desires to bring forth out of your life. Out of your marriage. Out of your family. Out of your job. He wants to bring forth a new creation. We serve the creator God. He did not stop creating on the seventh day when he rested because Adam and Eve defied him and joined sides with the snake, with the serpent, with the dragon. And so they were stolen away from the Lord and now the Lord is back at work. You read about the work of Jesus in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament where he is in the Holy of Holies, and he is ministering now the benefits. He is ministering now the hovering of the Holy Spirit over your life to bring forth that new creation to make you righteous, to make you innocent. He's hovering over you to give you the strength to turn aside from darkness, to turn aside from wickedness. He's calling you out of the world and into his presence. It's all about the presence of God. There is nothing else in this world that is worth anything outside of the presence of God and the new creation that he brings forth in your life. Now, I've not taken phone calls this week. I'm going to open the phone lines. And if you'd like to call and share your perspective, what God is doing in your life, how he is hovering over the depths of your life, how you keep resisting that call of the Holy Spirit, if I can pray for you today, I am eager to do so. Let me give you the number here in studio. It's 877 877- 5340780 again that number is 8775340780 now the holy spirit does not come and hover over your life at your initiation he comes to every man in mercy in grace in kindness And he hovers over every man's life, every woman's life, every boy and girl's life, calling, calling, even as he came to Adam and Eve in the garden, saying, where are you? Where are you? Come. God wants fellowship with his people. He wants to have us in his presence. Remember I said earlier this week, the Hebrew word for presence includes the nearness of the face of God. The nearness of the face of God. Our face is the most intimate part of our body. It would be very bold for someone to come up to you and clasp your, your hands on their face. We don't touch each other's face unless we are very intimate. Lovers touch one another's faces. Husbands, wives, they touch one another's face. Strangers don't touch the face. God is saying that his presence will come. His intimacy will come. And we can reject We can refuse the intimacy of God. It's not his will. He wants you to come into his presence. Now, I'm going to share some things while I wait on you to call. I'm opening the phone lines because I keep praying and asking God to break forth with his presence over this city, over the people, you who listen to this broadcast. I consider you a part of the congregation of the National Prayer Chapel. Most of you have not come yet, but I know the day will come when the Holy Spirit will say, okay, enough. I want his presence to be with you. I want you to sense and know the compassion and the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how low you have sunk. It doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is that God loves you. And he died as Jesus on Calvary's cross to redeem you from your sin. And he wants to come close to you. He wants intimacy with you. And so he's hovering over your life right now. I've been asking Jesus if he would fully manifest himself over this city and come in great power. Begin to convict your heart of your desperate need for Jesus. Some of you are... Satisfied with religion. Religion will not satisfy the hunger of my heart. Rituals and, and rites and, and forms are but empty shells without the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing uglier than sitting through a worship service that's devoid of the Holy Spirit where it's just going through the rituals to punch your ticket and say, okay, I was at church today. And then you're concerned about the presence of your friends. And you gather together before the service and after the service to talk about the things of the world, the the sports, the other activities of the world. There's no presence of God there. There's no awe. There's no fear. There's no trembling in the presence of God There's no anguish of heart for our sin. No anguish of heart for the absence of the presence of God. Instead, there is the entertainment, there is the worldliness, there is the trite preaching. Giving little gems of understanding, but no conviction of heart. No cutting message. No arrows from the bow of the Holy Spirit to pierce our hearts and to open the way for us to be more intimate with the Lord God of heaven. What I want for you is intimacy and closeness with Jesus by coming into his presence. So we have in Exodus, the second chapter, This amazing story of, of Moses' birth. He was a fine child. The Egyptians were forcing mothers and fathers to put their babies in the Nile River where the crocodiles would eat them. They were trying to limit the number of Hebrews, the sons of Eber, because they were afraid of them. It was a time of bitter persecution. So Mama hid the little one and finally put him in a basket, pitched the outside and put it in the river, hoping the crocodiles would not get it. And of course, Sister Miriam standing, watching, praying, and Pharaoh's Pharaoh's daughter coming finding the basket and rescuing baby Moses. Then finding a a wet nurse, his mother, to take care of him. And he grew up in that wicked culture, in Pharaoh's palace. All of the amenities of life, everything his heart could wish for, except there was no presence of God. Money does not bring the presence of God. Success does not bring the presence of God. Accomplishment does not bring the presence of God. Finally, Moses steps in in his own strength because the presence of God was not with him to try to begin a war against the Egyptians and he's betrayed by his countrymen. They resent him and his station in life. And he has to run for his life because he killed. He killed a man. An Egyptian taskmaster, he kills him. Thinking he's doing God's will. But how can you do God's will when you don't dwell in the presence of God? You can't know the will of God without dwelling in his presence. How many people come to me and they say, Pastor, why doesn't God talk to me? Well, he doesn't talk to you because you're not dwelling in his presence. You have to dwell in the presence of God if you are going to hear God talking with you. And many of you go month after month, a year after year, and God doesn't talk to you, and so you do your religion thing. Romans 12, 1 and 2 gives us the conditions for God to begin to speak to you. You have to be on that altar of burnt offering as a living martyr. Everything of the world must be cut off. The old ways have to be cut off. There has to be a burning of the ships, as we're saying. There has to be no escape. You are going to follow Jesus no matter what. You have, you have sold out. It's as you lay on that altar of burnt offering, totally given to the Lord, that the scriptures say you can begin to test and approve what the will of God is. So Moses has now spent 40 years not recognizing any presence of God in his life. He's been wiping the noses of sheep. He stinks from sheep. Sheep are a stinky animal. He has the smell of sheep in his clothes and his hair on his body. He it's in the house. It's everywhere. He's a shepherd. And he doesn't even own the sheep. They belong to his father. He went from having every possible thing given to him, every luxury given to him, to living out in the desert herding sheep, not even owning the sheep. Jacob, on the contrary, after his 20 years of working for Uncle Laban, at least owns his own sheep, and goes home wealthy in livestock and silver, wives. Yes, Moses has Zipporah. That was a wonderful gift of God that he gave Moses a precious wife to comfort his heart and two children to comfort his heart. He's now tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, who is a priest of Midian, not even a worshiper of the Almighty God. And he goes to Mount Horeb, called the Mount of God. He's taken his sheep there. He didn't, he didn't go there to find God. God's presence is not there. But then suddenly the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes. And God begins to hover over a bush. And it explodes in flame, but it doesn't burn. And Moses sees it, and his curiosity is spiked. Why is this bush burning, but it doesn't seem to be consumed? This is a strange sight. I'm going to go see what's going on. Exodus 3, verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. He didn't even know it was God's presence. He didn't know God's presence. I feel so strongly about this today because I know that most of you who listen to this broadcast do not know the presence of God. He doesn't talk to you. He doesn't talk to you. Concerned because, until we know the presence of God, there's no fire in our life. And I know the time has come, and in, in this hour, when the Holy Spirit has come to hover over your life, but how will you respond? Will you recognize the presence of God coming to you now? Will you repent? Will you turn from your wicked ways? Will you humble your heart before God? Will at least your curiosity be spiked? The only handle God could get a hold of in this man, Moses, at this stage in his life, he had he'd grown hopeless. He was a shepherd. He couldn't even talk anymore. He'd lost his sophistication. God had to use his curiosity to even begin to evidence his presence. It says the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, and God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses did not have a, any idea who was talking to him. The presence of God was so foreign to Moses He thought for the rest of his life he was going to be a shepherd. He did not ever expect to go back to Egypt. He thought he was going to live with his family in a humble place, in a tent, in the desert, caring for sheep. And God has to say to him, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. He didn't know it was holy ground. What made it holy ground? What what made this ground any different than any of the other ground surrounding the Mount of Horeb? Well, only one thing made it any different. The presence of God. Where the presence of God comes, comes holiness comes righteousness. If there is no righteousness in your life, if there is no holiness in your life, it's because there's no presence of God in your life. If you're still walking in the same old sins, you're still going back to the same old wickedness, it's because there's no presence of God in your heart. God spoke to him. take off your sandals. In other words, when you stand on holy ground, you have to take off even that simple thing that gives you some place of standing. Servants would not have had sandals. They would have been barefoot. Moses at least had the recognition of being a part of a family being responsible. So you may have a house, you may have a car, you may have a job, you may have whatever you possess in this world, but when the presence of God comes, he says, take it off, it doesn't count anymore. Nothing in the flesh counts for eternity. Jesus said every every plant that's planted by the flesh will be pulled up and thrown into the fire and burned at the end of time. All that's going to matter at the end of time is the presence of God. Then he said, I am God. The God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I suspect that Moses had pretty much forgotten about them. I suspect that those names had not crossed his heart mind for years Moses all he could do was hide his face because he was afraid to look at God that was a really healthy response it's a terrifying thing to be in the presence of God but it's also the most wonderful thing in all of the earth to dwell in the presence of God The Lord says, I have I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So the first thing God did in creation story in Genesis was to create a Garden of Eden where his presence dwell, where he came every night and walked with them. He made a safe place for them. They departed, and now God is in the process of saying, Okay, I'm going to make another Garden of Eden for my people, a place where I can come, where my presence will always dwell. I'm going to come to that safe Arbor for my people. And I'm going to fellowship with you. And then he says these terrifying words. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And now Moses gains courage and he begins to argue with God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. In other words, my presence, this fire you see, is going to go with you. I am a God of fire. And he says then this this part that always makes me smile when I read. Because it's rarely we see such a contrast between the way God thinks In the way man thinks. As though to reassure Moses, he said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people up out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Well, that's not much comfort to Moses' heart because he has to go and risk his life and limb, totally transform his life, become the leader of these people, go through a revolution, fight the war, and bring the people out, and then God says, and then you'll know it was me who did it. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to know before I go that it's you who's doing it. (laughs) Ah, the difference between the human heart and God's heart, because the human heart is powerless and helpless, and God is almighty. And when his presence comes, nothing is too hard for him. God's arm is not too short to deliver his people. Well, Moses said to God, suppose I I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? God said to Moses, my name is I am who I am. Tell them the I am has sent you. Well, what does that mean? That's the verb to be. I am in the past, I am in the present, and I am in the future. My presence rules over all things. Tell them the God who rules, the God who is present with Isaac, Jacob, Abraham. Tell them the God who who created the earth. Tell him the God who who has your future. Tell him the God you see now in the miracles I'm going to give you to work. So he's told to go and assemble the elders and he plans to take them to a a garden of Eden, a land flowing with, with milk and honey. Well, what if they don't listen to me? And so God gives him these incredible miracles. And Moses said, Well, I've never been eloquent. I don't know how to speak. I'm slow of speech, God. I can't do this. See, he still thinks he has to do this with his presence. Wrong. God is saying, go and do this in my presence. Everything changes when we walk in God's presence. I spoke with a man I love and respect very much this morning. He is in construction. And I asked him, what are you sensing about this storm that's coming through Washington, a potential blizzard? And he said, I'm not going to fight against it. I'm in the presence of God. And he can use the weather, he can use whatever he needs to use to give birth to whatever it is as he hovers over my life and over this company. I trust him, my heart sprang up with joy at his words. What awesome words. What, a, what an awesome miracle when a man is in the presence of God. Fear is banished. He will endure whatever is necessary to be endured because his eyes are on God. God. He's not going to turn aside. He's not going to complain. He's not going to groan. He's not going to moan. He's going to praise the name of Jesus because he's going to dwell in the presence of Jesus. If you're complaining today, if you're groaning and moaning and blaming and angry and bitter and walking in sin before God, lusting after the things of darkness, lying and cheating and stealing, filled with ambition. It's because you have denied the presence of God. Repent. Quickly repent. There is no life outside of the presence of God. The Lord said to him, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And Moses says, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. And it says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. You can make God mad by rejecting his presence. Now, how different it was. But a short time later, in the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus, we find something very different. He said, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised you on earth to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. I might destroy you on the way. This was after they built the calf gods. While God was talking with Moses on the mountain, they were worshiping the Baal gods, the prosperity gods, the money gods. And God said, I'm, I'm removing my presence from you. I'm still going to send you. I'm going to keep my promise to you. You can still have the land. I'll give it to you, but I'm not going to go with you. My presence is not going to be with you anymore. Because if you continue to walk in this sin, I'm, I'm going to have to destroy you, so I'd rather just be gone. Now, when the people heard that God was withdrawing his presence and would not go with them, they began to to mourn. The Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. In other words, take off your jewelry, take off your finery. Today he would say, get out of your Mercedes. Get out of your beautiful house. Come before me. I've got to decide whether I'm going to destroy you or not. Some of you today are are totally ignorant of the fact that God can become very angry. When we reject his presence and we turn aside from him, And many of you today, you're not, you're dwelling in information. You're dwelling in the teachings you've heard. You're dwelling in your comfort zone, but you're not dwelling in the presence of God because he's not speaking to you. He's not telling you what he wants from you. You pray and there's no answer. You just pray because you think you're supposed to pray, but God's presence has been removed from you. You're, You're lukewarm of heart. He said in Revelation, you're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out. I'm going to vomit you out. I'm not going to have my presence with you anymore. And Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Moses doesn't want to go without the presence of God. In fact, Moses is saying, look, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. Why would I want to go to the promised land and not have you with me? Why would I want to go? and you don't go with me. See, Moses, at the beginning, really didn't want God's presence. And he made God mad. Some of you have pushed God away, and you've made him mad. That's how I was. I was much more interested in being successful than being in God's presence. For many years, I was more concerned about my ambitions and my plans to do something great for God than I was about God's presence. And I sinned greatly against God. And his presence finally was so absent in my life that that my heart broke and I said, I've got to find God. I've got to find Jesus. I can't live with simply intellectual knowledge. I have to have the absolute presence of God with me so that when I pray, he's nigh. He hears me. He answers me. I have to have God instructing me. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. My heart was so lonely for God that i finally went to him and said i'm going to die if you don't give me your presence again that was all now almost 30 years ago i spent many days months years laying on my face before god pleading again for his presence Pleading that he would hover over me by the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it, but it was the Holy Spirit that moved in me to be lonely for God. Is there any loneliness in your heart for God? Is there any loneliness in your heart for God? Are you tired of going it alone? I grew so tired of planning out this and that and and struggling to make this happen and achieving this goal and accomplishing this this financial situation. I grew so tired of that emptiness. I had to have Jesus. And I've been so spoiled by him. Now all I want is Jesus. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about success. I don't care about money. I don't care about the world's acclaim. I don't even care about doing something great for God. I just want Jesus. I want to obey his word. I want to go where he sends me. I want to do what he tells me to do. I want to walk in the presence of God. I have determined I will do everything in my strength and in my power to say to the Lord God of heaven, May I dwell in your presence. May I walk. May I sleep. May I eat. May I play. May I do all of my life in your presence. Because all that I have and all that I am, I give to you. I withhold nothing from you, Jesus. I withhold nothing of my heart from you, Jesus. I'm yours. No matter what happens, I'm yours. Live or die, rich or poor, Useless or useful? I'm a blank check, Jesus. Spend me however you choose. And what peace fills my heart? What joy fills my soul? As I receive from His hand only what He chooses to give me. No confusion, no struggle. Shall I do this or shall I do that? Are you kidding me? I'm in the presence of God. He directs my steps. I no longer direct my own steps. He directs my steps. He's in charge of my life. I wait upon him as a a slave waiting on the master. I do what he tells me to do. I go where he tells me to go. I say what he tells me to say. I was much in prayer early this morning. and, And through the hours of the morning, I had several different program possibilities I waited on him. I wanted to know what he wanted me to talk about. Oh, I'd prepared carefully in his presence. And he had to choose what I was to do. And so I waited on him and he gave me this message to share with you. And I pray that this message is on one hand terrifying for you and on the other hand healing and joyful for you. I haven't heard from any of you. And our time is almost up, but I'll give you that phone number one more time. I'm happy to pray with you that the presence of God will come, that the Holy Spirit will hover over your heart. How do you need me to pray for you? Our phone number is 877- 534-0780. Five three four zero seven eight zero. And while I wait for you to call, let me give you some information. We are coming once more, well through this month, and we're going to to pay the increased price to keep the broadcast on the air. And I know I can't do it. I don't have the means, I don't have the money, I don't have the ability. And so I have to turn to you and I pray you don't get tired or grow tired of, of giving, of sacrificing, that this broadcast can stay on the air. I feel this broadcast is directed by Jesus and is desperately needed in this wicked city. And it's needed in this nation and I pray that soon the resources will come that will enable us to broadcast nationwide. I'm waiting on him as he's waiting on you and moving in your heart for what you should give that this straight unvarnished call to Jesus and call to holiness could go forth. The greatest need America has is a is a third great awakening, fourth great awakening to have the Holy Spirit come in revival power to turn this nation back in repentance, to get right with Jesus, to humble our hearts, to confess our sin. So please write to me. Every day I go to the post office, prayerfully waiting to see what the Lord will send. For I said, I will only accept from your hand what you give me. So he must move in your heart, he must cause you to sacrifice for this broadcast to remain on the air. So write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Address again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 Good. Welcome, Josh. How would you like me to pray for you? I just really want to take God seriously and not hold back anymore. I don't normally listen to the broadcast, and I tuned in today. It's like the first time in probably like six months, and it just was really exactly what I needed to hear. Lord, I pray for Josh right now. You ordered his steps to tune in and listen to this broadcast. Lord, I know Josh is in a An incredible battle with the powers of darkness that hate him and want to sweep him away. But Lord, I also know that your Holy Spirit has come and is hovering over Josh. Lord, I pray that you will hover over Josh's life now and bring forth a whole new creation. Lord, giving him absolute peace and And direction in his life that now belongs to you. Lord, I ask that every power of darkness would be defeated. That every inclination to walk separate from your body would be removed. Lord, I pray that your glory will appear upon his countenance. That Satan will have no handle that he can grip Josh's life with Lord you've called Josh even as you called Moses I pray now you'll order his steps and direct him in how he is to live with you and how he is to dwell in your presence thank you Jesus I pray in your holy name amen God bless you, Josh. Thanks. Is there still the meeting at your house on Friday, or is it canceled because of the snow? Uh, if people can get here, I'll be here. I'm not going to okay. go anywhere. So, no, it's not canceled, but come as you can. Okay. But, but right. be safe. All right. God bless you. You too. Bye. I do have a meeting in my home every Friday evening. I do have a home in my a meeting in my home every Friday evening. We're studying the book of Genesis. A different person leads each Friday evening. If that's something that you'd like to be a part of, uh, please let me know. Uh, we also meet on Tuesday evening for a time of sharing and and study of scripture, a time of accountability, a time of deep prayer. We begin praying at 6.30, pray until 7.30 or a little later, and then at 7.30 begin sharing deeply the work and the the glory of Jesus in our lives. You're welcome to come to that as well. It's at the All Saints Anglican Church. And then on Sunday we have a meeting at 12 noon, and we begin with corporate prayer, intercession from 12 to 12.30 until we stop. And then we have a time of sharing and worship, praise. And then we have a message, a sermon. You're welcome to come. It's at the All Saints Anglican Church. Let me give you the address. It's four, it's 14851. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. You're welcome to be present from 12 noon, and we're usually wrapping up by 2.30. You're also welcome, again, I'm going to give you the address to write to me. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I urge you to read Exodus 33 in its entirety, And you find that finally God says, Okay, Moses, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. The word rest is cessation, but the deeper root meaning is bedroom. I'll I'll give you my intimacy again. And Moses says, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me? and with your people unless you go with us what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth and moses said i will or god said to moses i will do the very thing that you've asked because i'm i'm pleased with you moses i'm pleased with you moses And Moses said, Well, then, would you please show me your glory? I want to see God's glory today. I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to be pleased with you. I want his presence for you and for me. I want God's presence at the National Prayer Chapel, and believe me, his presence is there. And I dwell in his presence day after day. I want you to have the same testimony. We're out of time for today's broadcast. I just want to pray with you quickly. Almighty God of heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, hover over us by the power of your Holy Spirit and bring forth that beautiful new creation, releasing from every bondage, breaking the power of all sin, and setting us free to walk in fellowship and love with you and with each other. Come, Lord Jesus. And be pleased with us. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. Be safe, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless Before the presence of glory with great joy with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus. Since 1950